Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. There was a backwoods man from West Virginia that found himself one day in a large city, particularly standing right in front of an elevator. He had never seen an elevator. Can you imagine that? He had never seen an elevator. He never, never saw one. And so he's standing there in front of this elevator, and he watched as this old, tired-looking woman hobbled onto the elevator, and the doors closed behind her. A few minutes later, the doors to that same elevator opened, and this young, attractive woman walked off the elevator. Man, the guy became very excited, and he shouted to his young son. He said, Billy, hurry, go get your mother. She's got to try this thing. We all love change when it benefits us, don't we? We love change when it's, when it's on our behalf, when it, when it benefits our lives. I mean, you, you, you like a promotion on a job. Nobody, you know, very few people don't like a promotion on a job. You like that. You like a raise on a job. You like that change when it benefits you. A new car. You like, or at least a newer car than the piece of junk that you're driving. You know, you, you like that. Whenever, whenever that happens, you like that change because it's in your favor. A newborn baby at least if that baby is planned. You like that change in your life. When things go the direction that we want them to go, we welcome those changes. But if you are like me, the change that life usually throws at you is not always enjoyable and it's not always attractive. Changes like that seem to make us dread life sometimes. We have a tendency not to like change. I heard the story of an old man that once bought a new radio and he brought it home from the store, he put it on the counter, plugged it in, and he tuned the radio in to the radio station WSM in Nashville, home of the Grand Old Opry. And then the man proceeded to pull off every knob on the radio so that nobody could change it because he had already tuned in all that he ever wanted or expected to hear. He was not open to change. I've come to realize that children are very resilient to change. That the younger you are, the better you can cope with and deal with change. They bounce back fast. If something bad happens in their lives, I've always been amazed at my children that, that something that would have been devastating for me, they've, they've seemed to bounce back through the years. But what I am noticing is that as they get older, they're not as receptive to change as what's, what they once were. The older you get, the more change disturbs you. I remember when I was a child, at second grade, my family moved from Panama City to Perry. And I was excited about that change. It didn't bother me. Second grade, I didn't have a care in the world. I was excited about meeting new friends, going to a new school, living in a new neighborhood. In second grade, I was very resilient to that change. I welcomed it. But I'll never forget the day that my mom and dad asked me to sit down, sit down in the living room. They sat me down in the living room and they, they told me that we were moving. It was the summer before 10th and 11th grade. Actually, it was one week before 11th grade was supposed to start. And they sat me down and said, we're moving. And it was heartbreaking. It was devastating to a 15-year-old. 
Because my whole life felt like it had been spent there. I've been nine years in that particular school system. It was a small school system, but it was, it was my school system. It was what I was used to. And so second grade through the end of 10th grade and about to start 11th grade, that was my world. And now they're saying that we are moving. What was I going to do? The school that we went to was much larger. The city we moved to was larger. We moved to Lake City. It's not huge, but in comparison, it was. The entire school at Perry, the entire enrollment of the whole school was equal to the graduating class of the new high school that I was going to. I was a big fish in a small pond in Perry. When I got to Lake City, I was a small minnow in a large ocean. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have those same connections. People did not know me. And for some of you in the room, you're thinking, well, that's no big deal. What, whatever. That, you know, that happens in life. But to a 15-year-old kid, it was devastating. It was life-changing for me. But what I did not realize is that it would really end up being life-changing for me. That through that move, I would leave behind ungodly influences in my life. It was a time for a fresh start for me. Through that move, I would find a mentor that would help me discover my calling and ministry. And it was through that move that I would meet and fall in love with my wife and the mother of my children, both the same person. <laughs> I have been convinced that change is not only inevitable, but it is also vital to our growth. That change has to happen. And here's what I know, because the, the Bible has, has informed us of this, that God is going to lead us through significant changes from time to time. His word is full of it. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Watch this change. The old has passed away. The new has come. There's change that takes, takes place. Revelation 21 and 5 says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That's change. He's changing us. He's making all things new. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. God is doing something inside of us. We are being changed and 1 Corinthians 15 and 51 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Which is also a great mission verse for a nursery ministry that we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Amen. <laughs> God has, God will, and God can change the circumstances of your life at any given moment. And he does not have to ask your permission to do so. And the things that he doesn't cause, he allows. And that messes with us, man. When you think about that, it, it just doesn't seem fair. That God allows change. That he allows circumstances to change our lives. Sometimes for the better, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's for the better. There's three stages that people go through when confronted with change. And you've all been there. You've all 
participated in one of these three steps, if not all of them. The first thing that people do, or one of the things that people do, is they resist change. We've all resisted change at some point in time. The second thing is people tolerate change. And the third thing is people embrace change. So they resist change, they tolerate change, or they embrace change. And we, church, listen to me, we as Christians, we should be the most prepared for change. Out of all the groups of people on this planet, we should be the most prepared for change. I mean, our story is about change, that God found us, and we were were sinful. We were full of sin. We were sinful, and God drastically changed our lives through the saving power of Jesus Christ so that when we stand before him, we stand before him spotless. That's quite a change. And so we, out of all the people on the planet, we as Christians, we should be the most prepared for change because God took our sinful lives and he changed them. There's this old sea story in the Navy about a ship's captain who inspected his sailors. And afterwards, he told the chief that that his men smelled bad. This is very blunt. Your Your men stink. And the captain suggested to the chief, he said, perhaps it would help if the sailors would change their underwear occasionally. And the chief responded, he said, aye, aye, sir, I'll I'll see to it immediately. And the chief went straight to the sailors' living quarters, and, and there he announced to them, he told them, he said, the captain thinks that you guys smell bad, and he wants you to change your underwear. Pittman, you change with Jones. McCarthy, you change with Wachowski. And Brown, you change with Schultz. Now get to it. Here's the moral behind all that. Change can be beneficial to your life, good or bad change, if it's handled properly. And that's why I'm telling you as Christians, we must know how to handle change. Unexpected change also. Things that catch us off guard, we as Christians, we have got to learn how to deal with these things because change can be beneficial if it is handled properly. Well, not long ago, I didn't handle climate change to the best of my ability. I don't know what I was thinking when they asked me to speak at a missions conference in Minnesota. What what was I thinking? It was, it was a, a number of months, or it was like six months earlier when they first asked me, and I, I do what I always do. I immediately pulled up on my phone, pulled up a, a weather app, and I looked on my phone, and, and I looked at Minnesota, and it was beautiful in Minnesota six months earlier. But in February, it's not beautiful in Minnesota. And, and the, the, the missionary friend of mine, he, he's no stranger to us. Josh from from the orphanage in Guatemala, he picked me up from the hotel, taking me to a Sunday service where I was speaking at. And there was another missionary that was there for the missions conference. There were a number of missionaries there, but there was this one particular one that was going to arrive with us. And when we picked her up, we helped her load her her luggage and and some of her uh, the different props and things that she was going to, to set on the table, um, you know, to display her ministry so people would be interested in going to Haiti or sending money to Haiti. And so I, uh, I, I, I helped her load up her stuff. Josh and I both helped her. She had a lot, of, a lot of bags and different things, and so we helped her load it up. But when we got to the church, the weather was changing. And when we pulled up, there were snow flurries starting. 
Soon there were flakes falling everywhere, and it's freezing. I've been raised in Florida my whole life. I have no idea why anybody would want to live anywhere else but Florida, it, especially Minnesota. Why? Why would you want to live there? And so we pull up, it's cold, starting to snow, and I don't even think about it. Because when you've got, I'm okay, I'm comfortable with this. When you've got hair like this, you don't stand out in the rain or snow, okay? And I don't know if you can use an umbrella in the snow, but I didn't have one, okay? And so we pulled up, and I just know if I sit here and think about it, I'm never going to get through those doors into that foyer. But my goal is i got to get to that foyer. So I jumped out of the car. As soon as he pulled in the parking spot, I jumped out of the car. I make a beeline for that foyer. And as soon as I step inside the foyer, I thought to myself, she's got stuff that has to come inside. And I stood there, and I, I wish that I could tell you that I went back. I want to tell you that, but I didn't. I stood there and watched as her and Josh grabbed all of the bags and everything and, and, and they just struggled their way inside. I don't even think I stepped outside the door to hold the door open for them. And when they walked in, I, I looked at her and I said, you probably think I am rude. And she went, a little bit. <laughs> I didn't handle climate change. If handled properly, change can benefit your life. If it's something that you, you're looking forward to or if it's something you're dreading, no matter what, change, if handled properly, can benefit your life. 19th century writer Washington Irving said this. He said, there's a certain relief in change, even though it be from bad to worse, as I have found in traveling in a stagecoach, that it is often a comfort to shift one's position and be bruised in a new place. Man, if nothing else comes out of it, at least I'm not getting hit in the same spot every time. We must change our perspective on change. And as Christians, we've got to be able to handle unexpected change in our lives. We've got to be willing to keep the change and understand how beneficial it is for us. I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to read the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. What you need to understand about the book of Ecclesiastes is that it is written by King David's son, Solomon, uh, who, who became the king of Israel. When Solomon was praying to God, he could have asked for anything in the world, and he asked God for wisdom. God granted him that wisdom, and because God granted him that wisdom, he also gave to him riches, wealth, fame. I mean, this guy, he, he had it all had it all. Hundreds of wives and concubines. Uh, he just had it all. But this guy penned some great words that if we could apply them to our lives, we will benefit from his wisdom. In the first eight verses of chapter three, he says a lot, but it talks to us about change. Ecclesiastes chapter three, starting at verse one. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, 
a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. In the first eight verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon describes 28 different seasons of life that we all go through. It's pretty much a guarantee that you are going to encounter these seasons at some point in your life. But the other thing that Solomon guarantees is that change is absolute. In just those eight verses, he walks you through so much change and you have to understand that change is part of life. It's easy to read these life scenarios and forget of the significant change that takes place in just one stanza. And so Solomon in his great wisdom, when he says there is a time to be born and a time to die, we forget of the significant change that takes place just in those few words. Now, I know that from the moment that, that we are born, that we start to die. I mean, our bodies are decaying. We know that. But, but we don't see it when we just read a, a stanza like that that there is significant change between a person's first breath and a person's last breath. Solomon said there is a time to kill, but there's also a time to heal. And there's a change that must take place in a person's heart to transform them and to transition them from killing to healing. He said there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. And there's a big difference between those two emotions. There's a significant change in your atmosphere of your life when, when, when you're weeping and when you're laughing. Very seldom will a situation cause you to do both. He says there's a time to embrace and a time not to embrace. In other words, there's a time to hug and there's a time not to hug. He says there's a time to seek there's a time to lose. What he's saying is that there are times that, that should benefit your life. That there's a time that you can go out looking for that raise. Or you can go out looking for that better job. Or, or looking for something that's going to benefit you. But he also says that there are other times that you should not. And you should be okay with losing in those situations. Because there is a time to seek and a time to lose. And he walks us through these 28 different life seasons. telling us that change is inevitable. But the thing that I love the most about Solomon's writing here is that he doesn't paint an unrealistic picture that always says it goes from good to bad or bad to good. If I was writing this, I know the way my mind thinks, that's the way I would write it. I would always write it where it goes from, from bad to good. I'd want to give you hope. That's not how Solomon writes this. No, there's moments, if you read down through it, where it starts bad and it ends better. And then there's other times when it, it starts good and it ends bad. I love that realistic approach because it's like Solomon is preparing us for life. 
You see, if it just went bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, we could adjust to that because we know, oh, today I got a raise. Tomorrow I'm going to expect my dog to die. But the next day is going to be better because it's always good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. If there's a pattern to it, we get that. We prepare for that. Solomon says, no. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, then it's bad again, then it may be good, then it may be bad for a season, and then it may be good for a season, and then you may have another good season. He just doesn't throw a pattern in there. And, and he, he explains to us that, that, that through mixing it up like that, that that's what life does. Life mixes it up. It never just gives you good, bad, good, bad. It is all mixed up. In the words of the great philosopher known as Forrest Gump's mama, Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And in life, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. Change is going to happen in your life. What you do with that change and through that change, that, that is determined by you. And nobody else in this room, nobody else in this planet can determine how you elect that change affect your life. And so how do we deal with change? How do we do this? How do we grow during unexpected changes in our life when life hits us with a, with a hard blow and we just don't know what to do? How, how do we do this? And it all comes down to one word for me. Trust. Who do you trust? If you trust your life to your education, your education will fail you. If you trust your life to your job, your job will fire you. If you trust your life to your family, your family will unfriend you. But if you trust your life to God, your God will fix you. No matter what change you have to go through in life, if you trust God with that, He always works together for the good of those who love him, always. That is his promise from his word, and it doesn't matter how hard life hits you, no matter how bad the change hurts at the moment. If you learn to trust him, I told you as Christians, we should be more prepared for this than anybody else on the planet. In Acts chapter one, Life had changed drastically for the followers of Christ, particularly his disciples. Jesus had been crucified. That was, a, that was a tough blow. Then they realized three days later he rose again. But yet life was still changing because now he's saying things like, I, I, I'm not going to be here for much longer. And I'm going to leave this in your hands and, and I'm going to go. I, I, it, it's expedient that I go to the Father. It's important. If I don't go, I can't send the comforter. And so they're learning to deal with all of this after having this man in their life, physically in their life for, for these past three and a half years. Now they're having to, to, to wrap their minds around this. And so change is starting to take place for them. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, God, is this that moment we've been waiting for? We're still under Roman oppression. Are you restoring the kingdom back to Israel? Are we going to be in charge of our own lives now? Verse 7 says, he said to them, 
It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I want you to say those three words with me. Say, this same Jesus. Say it again. Say, this same Jesus. Peter echoed those very words in the next chapter, verse 36, when he said, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. This same Jesus, that same Jesus, the same one who healed the sick, opened the eyes of the blind, raised Lazarus from the dead. That same Jesus is the one that we can trust during our times of change. The certainty that we have in God uh, because he doesn't change, because he is that same Jesus. In Malachi 3 and 6 it says, God says, "For for I the Lord do not change. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Those circumstances may change. He doesn't change. The world may change. People may change. But God never changes. And so our entire world around us can change. But our hope and our trust is that he doesn't. And as long as God doesn't change, I know that I'm going to make it through it. As long as God doesn't change, I know that life is going to be okay. As long as God doesn't change, everything's going to work out for my good. That when nothing is certain in life, Don't despise the change. Keep the change. Because it is beneficial for you. You can't have a resurrection without a death. Ask Lazarus. You you can't have a healing without a sickness. Ask the woman with the issue of blood. And you can't learn to trust your God if life is always certain for you. If God handed you life on a silver platter day after day after day, you would have no faith at all. But changes in life, unexpected changes in life, they cause us to trust more. They cause us to have more faith. And for it to be faith, there has to be unexpected change. Life is changing quickly for the McKinley household. Josh, there's a reason why you're preaching Senior Honor Day next Sunday, second service, because I just don't think I can make it through it. With our twins graduating, with Caleb and Kendall graduating, I just know that that's one of those weaknesses for me, and I just don't think I could do it. Life is changing for us, Mandy. What we've been accustomed to is about to drastically change. But I don't want you to think that we're rookies in this. Some of you in the room, you're like, oh, you'll, you'll be all right. You know, I've, I've had kids leave for college. I, I know what this is like. You'll, you'll be all right. You're right. We will be. 
But even if it wasn't all right, we're all right. We've been through enough change in our life. I remember when we got married, that was change. Two people, different likes, dislikes, different hobbies, different interests, coming together to live under one roof. Me learning to live with her. Her learning to live with me. That's change. Eight months later, when we find out she has cancer, you talk about change. Even though we live just right down the road with her mom and dad had her own house, we had to move back in with her parents for a season. We still had our house. We were going through some serious changes with her health, and I needed some help providing the proper care for her. Around-the-clock care, we had to have somebody with her at all times. So when I was at work, somebody had to be there at her house or at her parents' house. It's changed, a lot of change for a young married couple. When they told us that she was pregnant with twins, that's change. When we had those kids, that changed a lot because now we had to change them. It's change. Three major ministry moves. Picking up the family and moving. Three different cities, three different locations, one of them being here. We're accustomed to change. And the reason we've made it through all the change in our life is because we have truly come to trust Jesus during those times of change. We, we have this, this unsaid premise in our hearts and our minds sometimes that God is caught off guard by our troubles. Don't fool yourself. There is not one thing that you've ever been through in your life that caught God off guard. I've said it many times, but I'm going to say it again. God sees that pothole in your life long before you ever get to it. It does not catch God off guard. It catches you off guard. Change catches you off guard. And God says, let me work this. Let me, let me change your life through this change that's happening. Whether he caused it or allowed it to happen, God works all those things together for our good. And today, I want you to walk out of here knowing that whatever change is, has happened, is happening, or will happen, God is very aware of it already. Trust that. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.